Welcome to the Echo Oscar Delta podcast, where we talk to Navy EOD techs and hear the stories that they want to share. All ideas, thoughts, and statements are those of the guest and the host of Echo Oscar Delta, and not of Navy EOD or Navy as a whole. All right, today on the podcast, we have Nap Tachutis joins me. Uh, during his 24 years on active duty, he deployed five times to the Persian Gulf, Bahrain, and Iraq. Uh, he retired as a Master Chief. Thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks, Jaron. How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, yeah, I'd like to start with this question. Uh, what brought you to EOD? Oh, man. Um <clears throat> I was a uh, I was a fire controlman um, uh, first off uh, when I joined the Navy and uh, um, I was a SEWAS tech. Uh, I did two ships. Um, I did uh, two uh, two Persian Gulf deployments with those, and then uh, I wanted to go be a SEWAS instructor. And my detailer was like, "Well, you can go push boots or recruit or get out." And I was like. I don't want, I was like, well, I don't want to go back to Great Lakes because I uh, swear to God, I wouldn't uh, go north of I-10. Uh, I hate the cold. And uh, so I was like, well, can I go recruiting in San Diego? He's like, I don't give a shit. And then he just, he hung up the, or he goes, I, I'm shifting over to the, uh, to the, um, the other detailer. And so he, uh, <clears throat> long story short, I, I ended up going recruiting and I hated every minute of it. Um, I, I lived a block from my recruiting station. I kicked a can down the road. Um, I had made first class uh, that I was in E6 at that time. And um, one of my buddies was at NSCT1 in uh, San Diego. And he said, uh, you should go UD. I didn't know anything about it. So I contacted Mobile Unit 3 and uh, it was Russ Albers was the uh, was the coordinator. And I went and tried out and uh, they told me to get the hell out of the pool. Uh, I couldn't swim with the crap. And uh, so... I went and uh, got total immersion. I got a, uh, um, I got a, a, uh, um, a membership to I think it was LA Fitness, and I went and swam every morning uh, for six months straight. And then I went back and I uh, smoked the test. And so uh, then, so after all that, uh, my my I still had to convince my skipper to let me go. Um, and so that was the best sale I ever made in recruiting was selling was. Uh, convinced my skipper to gap the billet a year early. And uh, um, at that time, they were about to stop taking uh, E6 and above, or E6s for EOD, um, for fleet returnees. And um, so I squeaked in the door. There's a couple other first classes, and, and uh, I never looked back, and that was that. And actually, I ended up making – that was a slick bone chief coming out. I was uh, made chief in EOD school. So there's myself That's awesome. and the guy, uh, who we were the last, I think the last guys to make or active duty guys. Anyways, there's a couple of reserve guys who made it, but yeah, it was, a so it was, a, it was just trial by fire is awesome. That's, that's pretty cool. Hey, on, um, when you were in EOD school, so, you know, I, I came in to EOD school from the, uh, from the street. Right. So I have that perspective and, uh, I was like to, to get the, the fleet accession side how was it going through school and then how was it dealing with it? Dudes like me that were just uh, probably super annoying. <laughs> no, I don't think it was annoying. I think it was just, um, the guys didn't have anything to reference it against. You know what I mean? So it was like, um, <clears throat> out of, I think there was, uh, 30, 36 or 35 or 36 guys. I can't remember back then uh, who started, but the, the guys who all passed, there's six of us originals who didn't roll back and all the rest of that, but they're all fleet returnees. And uh, I think that that one right there was just, we just didn't want to go back to fucking ship, man. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, or, or a squadron or whoever, you know, wherever guys were. But I was like, um, I'd rather die in the pool and uh, and get drug out dead than, than go back to uh, a ship. So I think when it was, um, when we saw the guys who didn't have um, the fleet experience, they didn't really know the nugget that they really, they didn't have that, that reference, right? But then, yeah. so you can't appreciate what you don't understand. So the, at the same time, you can't hold that against the guys who've never been there. So I, for me, it was kind of a non-starter on that. Um, I think it was uh, it was good for, for me uh, coming out from the fleet to, especially the mobile unit, because 
uh, I knew how to be a chief, but I didn't have the EOD experience. So I was able to rely on my guys uh, there and um, it was an amazing time. And uh, um, and then they uh, they put a senior chief with me so that uh, it, it worked out really well. I had, I, had, I had guidance from above and below and it was, uh, it was an amazing career, yeah. 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 How long did you end up doing EOD during your career? Um, I went EOD at my six year mark, six or seven year mark, I think. And then the rest of the time. So it was like 17 or 18. Um, nice. EOD. Yeah. How was your time? Uh, when you got to the mobile unit, do you get right on a team, start working that, or do you have some, uh, we, um, yeah. So, uh, I got to the mobile unit and went right onto a team. Actually, we, uh, we relieved, uh, or we, uh, did turnover with uh, Nick Wilson's team, and he uh, okay. when he uh, got killed in 2006. And June 2007, they came back, and we did turnover with them, um, at, or not turnover in, in country, but uh, at the mobile unit, um, uh, just gear swap, and uh, and we became the new debt seven. And uh, so it was it was immediately, you know, it was, it was uh, we finished tack training. I think it was uh, March or April, and then you know got some time off, went to the mobile unit, and immediately, yeah, started up the start up the platoon, so or the debt back then. Nice. Yeah. How was it? Uh, you know, being being a chief, being on the team, being a, a slick bomb, learning EOD, but being responsible for dudes. How was how was that? Uh, it's funny that that was the uh, that was the the hardest part was um, I think just being more humble um, and back then I didn't have a lot of humility and so that was a, a, it was tough to find ride that line of not knowing shit but then they're like hey here's your you know you're the team chief so um, <clears throat> it was it was a lot of uh, uh, listening and a lot of shutting my mouth and opening my ears sort of stuff. And, um, and then just, um, I had a, such an amazing team of guys uh, that um, it was, uh, it was, it wasn't as hard for me as I think it could have been or as hard as it was for some guys. Um, I, I just had an amazing uh, group, group of dudes and, and, uh, and experienced guys too. So yeah, it worked yeah. out. Nice. And he said, uh, if your next two deployments were or your first and second deployment in EOD were both Iraq. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, I was in Tikrit and Samara, uh, the first deployment. And then the second deployment was, uh, Missoula and, um, Bakaba down at Warhorse. How was going from, uh, you were on, on the ship right before, um, so ship mm -hmm. deployments and then going EOD and then doing EOD deployments. How is that? Night and day. I mean, it was, it was absolutely, um, so on our, on my shipboard deployments, we did a bunch of DBSS stuff. Um, and we worked, uh, we worked with the Brits and the, uh, the Coast Guard and or US Coast Guard, uh, we worked with the Brits and then we worked with the, uh, the Polish too, a little bit. And, um, and so that was, that was a great kind of experience. Uh, I think on the VBSS side as a fleet sailor with like no tactical training whatsoever, really. Like we went through VBSS school and that was, you know, like how to climb a cargo container. Right. And so, yeah. um, not so much on tactics and stuff like that. I think we had one paintball day on a, on an abandoned ship back then. It was, it was a long time ago. So, um, and so, uh, coming back into EOD, um, I remember just like, you know that the the tail drops on the we flew a 17 over there and that you know that hot exhaust uh, that 140 degree exhaust just smacks in the face and and you're like what the hell is this place right and uh so <clears throat> yeah just absolute night and day difference and then uh you know the first trip outside the wire you're like oh my god man here it is right and so uh and then it was game one. I think that first deployment, uh, we had two uh, two debts. Um, we, were, we were one of the first uh, companies. Um, debt seven nine was what we were, and or company. I can't remember. We hadn't started the company thing yet. It was uh, debt seven nine, um, and uh, we did over six hundred IEDs that deployment. 
Wow. Between uh, between the two dads, it was it was, uh, it was busy, busy, man. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> that sounds like it. Um, the second deployment, it wasn't as busy at all. Um, we got a lot of good work in, and then um, uh, it was kind of it, it was definitely a different mindset and a different shift. And then and then we all came back, and and uh, ISIS. Uh, Destroyed everything we did anyway, so it's just like whatever. Here we are. <laughs> Going into the deployments before, and then coming back and, and seeing all that happen. Did, I'm um, obviously that's frustrating, um, but did you, did you like focus on that at all, or, or like how, how did you deal with that? I think the first, um, yeah, so. That's this. Um, I didn't deal with it very well, as I think most of the guys do. You know what I mean? You just shut your mouth and just kept on. Uh, you just pushed it all deep down the side and and, and kept going. And um, you didn't um, didn't let anyone see weakness or, or show weakness because the minute you do, then uh, then you're not deploying or you're not. Uh, so you know, I think the same thing all of us do is EOD techs are the best guys at hiding stuff. So you just hid your stuff. You hid your ailments. You hid, you know, how you felt. You hid all that stuff so you can deploy again. That's, that's very true. In like all different aspects, we, we definitely do that. I, I think it's getting a little better right now. It's getting a little more acceptable to be able to like show uh, the rest of who you are, not just the, I can be stoic and, and when I need to be portion, but right. right. Yeah. You know, I think uh, <laughs> if you look at like how we, uh, how we talk about uh, uh, during every time you advance, right. Like, especially when you make chief and above, like everyone's like, don't forget where you came from. Right. Everyone always says that crap. Like, don't forget where you came from. But us as adults, when you look back at kids, right. And kids are um, actually, my kids are going to be making some noise in the background. So I hope that doesn't over bleed over. No worries. So, um, but when you look at kids, they're they're excited and they're curious and they don't have judgment and they let you know what their emotions are and they're like real. They're like they all get along just friendly, right? Um, but then us as adults, we really forget where the hell we came from to begin with, right? So when you look at your kids and stuff, like that's you, right? And so treat you how you want to be treated, um, you know, and uh, and break that that mold of 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 the, you know, that, that cycle of just shut your mouth and keeping it in and putting them in a box and tell them to shut up. And just like, you know, I, I love helping my kids just, uh, be open and honest and allow themselves to, uh, have a, uh, I guess a safe space. Uh, that's the word nowadays, right? And have yeah. a safe space to, uh, to be able to, um, to show their emotions, you know? <clears throat> I like it. Yeah. That's, that's actually a really good point. I never really thought about it like that, but yeah, we, we, we are, the kids, we just kind of push that part down and pretend that that's not there. But then, yeah, I mean, it's there. It's big time. And then so you look at all the seriousness, right? Like what's really serious? Like shit, man, if you've gone to combat, like that's serious. And the rest of it, not so much. Like the rest of it's not really the biggest thing in the world, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's, it goes yeah. back to the comparison thing uh, with, with the fleet guys and the, and the non-fleet guys, right? It's just, when you have a comparison, it's easier to kind of understand the whole picture. Yeah, that's true. I, I think still it's, I know for me, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to like turn that off sometimes though. You know, when, I, when I'm at home, even when I'm realizing how ridiculous I'm being by like, you know, getting right. all upset over something that I know is not that serious in the grand scheme. Yeah. Man, we, it's hard to turn that off sometimes. There's a um, there's a book called Us, and uh, man, I'll get you uh, I'll get you the author right now. Uh, it's Terrence Real. Terrence Real is the author, um, and uh, he talks about in it uh, in the book that he talks about the reactive child, and so like when when you're a kid and something happened right, or there's a traumatic experience or whatever, and and you become this reactive kid, right? Well, throughout your life that. Um, when you get that fight or flight response, you get the tightness across your chest or, you know, your ears start turning uh, warm because you're, you're not feeling right. And you want to like, that's just your reactive kid acting out. Right. And so would you act, like, I wouldn't let my kids act that way. 
And so you can, you know, so why would I act that way? So when I start feeling that in that direction, right, when I start feeling that tightness or like, um, I just take two huge deep breaths and I start like, I grab that reactive kid and like put him behind me. I'm like, I got you, man, because I'm an adult and I can handle this like an adult and I don't need to freak out like a stompy kid. And uh, I think once you can master that, when people start complaining and freaking out, like it literally just looks like, a stompy, whiny kid where you're like, man, like who messed you up the worst mom or dad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the, the little questionnaire that I, I put out, you put a couple things on there and, uh, you know, you talked about, I think they all kind of like go together. Actually, a lot of the, the things that you put on there, but, um, you, you put on the EOD force overload. Um, I guess, why did you put that, that on there? What, how, what does that come from? Or? I think what it was, was, um, when, when you saw the amount of, uh, of responsibilities EOD had and the amount of able bodies EOD had, um, everyone was exhausted. You know, it was complete burnout for, and so I don't, um, I, I honestly have no idea what's going on in the UD force right now. Um, I, I move forward and I love my UD brothers and sisters, but, um, I have no gun in the fight. Right. So why worry about something I have no control over? So, um, I, I don't know how it is now. I, I hope that it's a problem that's being resolved or has been resolved or maybe not. I, I don't know. Um, but there was just so many tasks and responsibilities and then extra things on the outside of all those responsibilities, the paperwork, the requirements, the, um, you know, the ASM reporting, the, uh, you know, all, all that extra, extra stuff, right. That they just kept on putting on, putting on. They're like, well, this will just help you do your job more. And it's like, no, you got to put it, you, there's so much more you got to, to do just to do that. And then, you know, you get home at, at eight o'clock at night and then uh, mom is like, well, what the hell, you know, you're not deployed yet. And you're like, man, welcome to EOD. Right. And then, um, then it's a rinse and repeat every day. And then guys jump in the bottle cause they got to go home and deal with raging mama. Right. Cause they didn't, there's no communication. They didn't explain it because, you know, they just look, they just look shiny and fancy. And then, and, and, uh, (laughs) and then they get married and then all of a sudden they're like, what the hell, this isn't what I signed up for. Right. And because the guy hasn't communicated and then, yeah, it's crazy, man. And so, um, yeah, I just, uh, I think, um, towards the end, like you see all these senior guys exhausted they're mentally, they're, they're mentally done. And that's, it's, it's sad because, uh, you can see it in the eyes, man. Um, I was just down at, uh, I was just down at Chuck Cornelli's retirement, uh, like I said before, and, uh, um, I looked around you can see all the guys who had combat timing, man. Like we all look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> like we just look tired though. You know what I mean? Um, you can see, and, and so there's guys there who, um, who, who, you know, were, uh, were helicopter pods or in squadrons or whatever, um, or who didn't have that, that, that same, uh, the same just tear, wear and tear on them, you know? And, uh, um, it was really funny to look around to see, see the difference of people. And I, I've made a huge note of that with, uh, with, there's about a handful of us there, uh, post, uh, or post-combat, uh, UD guys. And yeah, we all look just droopy bag under the eyes like just tired man <laughs> um one of the things that i i think about because i think i think we're still kind of the same way today um you know all that all the extra stuff that's put on the the tasks that are required and then just the willingness to to just keep saying yes like do you see that a lot too that you know I think that absolutely the, um, the, when you see the, the, the type of people that join EOD, right. Um, they want to please the pleasers. They want people to, um, to be happy and accepted and all generally. Right. Um, and so, yeah, they have a problem saying, no, like I don't have the bandwidth for this, um, because 
Um, the, the other side is, uh, is on like, how do you make rank? Not by saying no, right. you know, so at that point, man, you, you kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place is, is like, do I burn myself out and sacrifice my family and make the next rank so I can take care of my family that's not there anymore, you know? So it's just that, it's that, that perpetuating cycle of, uh, of providing, but then sacrificing and then providing and sacrificing and, and not being able to take time for yourself. Like there's very little self-healing thing. Even even PT time is really not for you. That's for the, that's so you can go do your job for the other guys, right? So yeah. there's, there's really not a, um, a, a time where you, you have like, unless you make it and a lot of guys don't allow themselves to see the time to uh to decompress well you were in how are you like obviously it sounds like you've kind of figured out a lot of those answers now um when you were in did you have those answers yet or were, did you figure them out while you were in Man, um, I've been retired since 2020. Um, I think I figured out some of those answers maybe a couple months ago. Um, really? I, uh, um, yeah, I left, uh, <clears throat> I left the marriage um, recently, actually about a year ago, and I had to go out and go do a lot of uh, uh, self-care and, self and finding myself. And uh, I went... Um, I went on a drive to uh, Montana. Um, I own a, uh, uh, my ex-wife and I still uh, run a uh, uh, CBD extraction company. And um, and so uh, I run it out of Montana and my uncle's up there. And uh, I drove up there to Montana and I, um, I got like half a pound of weed and I went in the mountains of Montana and I left all my anger up there. And uh, I found like a spirit horse and Jesus and Buddha, like all of them, right? And uh, and I shouted and I screamed and I cried and I, uh, you know, I, I, I just had my truck. That was it. I, I had driven out of my house uh, and just drove off. And so um, I left all my anger up there, man. I came back down and I was like, I have to stick up for me for once, right? And I think that's what a lot of guys don't have. Uh, they haven't figured that part out. Like, it's cool to stick up for you. You can absolutely do that, right? And tell the people exactly how you have and feel. And if they don't like you, then those aren't your people. And who cares after that, right? And so are they going to have a, a, a positive or negative influence on you? Uh, probably not. So who cares, right? Like you choose yourself and then um, and, and those people who will be on that same frequency or same whatever, you know, the same wavelength as you, uh, um, they're going to show up. You know, you'll attract those people. So. Um, that man, there, there's been a bunch of, and it's never ending, right? It's just like EOD. You never stop learning. So, um, how do you be a decent human being, man? Like you gotta work on yourself first. And so I think that's what a lot of guys haven't been yet is they've been worried about they've, they've been raising a cycle of having to, to provide for others, right? Like that's what you're supposed to do as a guy. Um, and so you, you're stuck in this masculine role of, of, of providing, 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 but you don't stop and, and take, and really take care of the, the it's just, we tell everyone that if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of uh, your family. You can't take care of the, the guys, right? But no one does that shit. Yeah, it, it's, it's until you really start doing it, where you're like, "Oh my god!" Like there's this—it's almost like an awakening uh, of uh, like all this shit flies off your shoulders. Um, you just become peaceful again. You know, it, it's it's a, it, it's a good feeling so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I don't, I don't know. I don't know fuck about shit. You know what I mean? So like that, I'm only 44. I, I don't know a damn thing, man. I'm still learning. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up going up to Montana every summer. My uh, mom was from Montana, and uh, yeah, I have to say, even even without even without any of the extracurriculars, which you know I definitely can't do um, yeah. <laughs> right now, active duty and all. Um, there's something about that place. Like when you, when you get up into Montana you just see how big it is. And like, it doesn't take much to, to realize you're, you're actually a really small piece in this whole thing. And just every time I'm up there, I come away so much happier. Yeah, no, it was, it was absolutely just enlightening. And it was, um, so, uh, I, I brought a extraction going on, uh, just North of, uh, it's actually up in uh, Ronan, uh, Montana, uh, area. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's beautiful country up there. And, um, and, uh, yeah, you, 
don't have the input you do in the other places. You know what I mean? You're just yeah. kind of just stuck there in nature and it's wonderful. Yeah, I love that part. Yeah, absolutely. Where in Montana, uh, you guys just go uh, to? Uh, Kalispell, um, Whitefish area. So mm-hmm. just, just south of Glacier. Okay, yeah. I know that area. That's awesome, man. Hey, you talked about being a, a peaceful warrior. Is that where, like, it, where did that come into it? You know, I, I think it, it makes sense on the, you know, talk about the EOD force overload. You, you get overloaded. You keep saying yes. And then at some point, you know, that when you're at that way, and I know for me when I'm, like, just maxed, I'm, I'm not peaceful. <laughs> um, right. But you kind of trying to find that that place, or um, I, th- I think mean? what I see in there was um, <clears throat> the, the, everyone knows the one guy, right, who's just really relaxed and calm, sits in the back corner, and just observes, and then when they have input, they it, it's forceful input, and it's right input, or you know, it, it's 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 along the lines of what everyone needs, right? And so I think. Um, what guys need to really do is just, um, you don't have to always, uh, you don't always have to be, um, balls to the wall, angry or balls to the wall, going all the rest. You know, if that makes sense, you can just, yeah. you know, sit down and, um, and observe and just listen. I mean, I take an hour on the beach at least three times a week and I just go grab a chunk underneath the pier. And I let the pylons kind of, uh, or the pylons, sorry, not the pylons, the pylons, uh, kind of, uh, like mark out a, a little TV to the world, right? It's my, it, it's the boundaries. And so I just watch that. And as people walk in and out and I just listen to the, I listen to the waves, I listen to the wind, I listen to the grass blowing, like they all have a different frequency, right? But they all kind of make this cool ass sound together. And so that's my Zen time, man. And you can just sit out there and be peaceful and chill out and listen to your environment. And I think when you can still be forceful if needed or when needed, or, or actually only when needed. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the time you can just be peaceful and happy and loving, man. And, and, and so, um, it's, a lot better as you know for your just for your psyche because you concentrate on that peaceful part but you still know that you can you can be forceful if you need to and so when you start concentrating that peaceful part more then that's your primary focus instead of just that primary focus being angry all the time and gung-ho and like rah i need to destroy well hell yeah man you're gonna destroy everything around you like including you you know yeah i think you know listen to that uh thinking back the the people that I think have made the most impact in in meetings and on me are are exactly that the people that are you know quiet for the most part but when they talk you're like oh man they, they don't really say that much so when they're speaking I'm gonna I'm gonna listen right right rather than the guys who talked all the time like that was me I talked all the time and I'm that fucking there like oh now talking again right so I'm going to blind that back. There's probably a bunch of old ass, uh, fucking masters on there laughing or being like, yeah, fuck that dude right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fucking yeah, stupid ass slick bone feet. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, actually speaking of, uh, old mass chiefs and whatnot, uh, you, you wrote down a couple people that, you know, kind of, uh, were influences to you in your career. Um, yeah, whether you want to say names or not, that's up to you. But uh, the the people that did influence your your career, um, and you know whether it was, you know, your career in terms of like making rank or getting jobs, or just you right. as a person inside of the EOD career, uh, what were some of the the I don't know, I guess benefits or not really benefits. That's that's not the right word, but. What were the things that they did that that actually made that influence on you? Man, there's so many. Uh, there's so many guys that did so many different um, uh, things that that helped me grow as an EOD guy and as a sailor and as a man. You know, just like um, I think, like on on the just to to 
to name like a handful of kind of, and I know this is almost a political answer, right? But like, there's a shitload of them, man. Where even the like the the the, the guys I did not get along with, they still taught me stuff, man. They taught me either what I didn't want to be like, or um, or they taught me like, oh man, like shit, I, I can't believe he fucked up like that. I better not do that same thing again, right? So um, uh, and then the guys, you know. And young kids, man, too. Like, guys who just came, like, when I was in R&T at Mobile 5 out in Guam, uh, there was young kids who came in who had life experience. Like, crazy. Like, I remember one kid, uh, I'm going to try to not say as many names as I can. Like, I'm going to try to not name drop, man, as much as I can on this thing. I know I already, I already named up Chuck, man. Like, sorry, Chuck. And congratulations on your retirement. And so, um, but uh, one of the kids came in and, and he was 28 or 29 and third class and he worked on the oil rigs up in Alaska, right? And so, um, you know, and just to sit there and just not judge someone like uh, based on, on their slick bomb, uh, you know, and trying to find out who that kid was and, you know, what made him tick or, or you know, what made him, uh, what not to say around him, right? Like, because yeah. you don't know the background, but when you, when you start to, to really get to know those guys and heck yeah, man. So, um, the junior guys taught me a lot of stuff and then, uh, senior guys, absolutely. And, and I kind of fell into being a, a junior EOD tech, but a senior guy in, you know, as a, as a slick bomb chief. So, um, it was very, uh, it was very enlightening to uh, to get a, a, a wide uh, a wide variety of guys. Man, I, I loved it. Every minute of it, it was always learning. Um, and guys, I still keep in contact with almost every day. You know, um, yeah. it's been an amazing uh, ride. But yeah, that was. Uh, I, I know that didn't answer your freaking question at all, man. But uh, there's <laughs> just it was everyone, man. It was literally everyone in EOD I ever came into in contact with um, were influential on me. And so I always took something from every single person I ever met. Yeah, I think what I what I hear most in that is as long as you're willing to to somebody's going to teach you something, whether they're trying to or not, you know, whether it's the purposeful or the like you said, uh, <clears throat> you know, don't do that. Um, as long as you're willing to to look for that, it, there's a lot of lessons to be had in just life. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, just, uh, you know, I think you learn so much better because you become your brothers right off the bat. Right. And so, um, you're more apt to, uh, you know, when you're sitting in the truck for, for, you know, 27 IEDs in a row, um, then you get exhausted and you start just like, every, you, you don't know anything about the, like every single guy in that truck knows every single thing about that guy, every single guy in the truck. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, there's no secrets, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very true yeah lots of dirt a lot people have lots of dirt on uh, lots of people right so uh, yeah um, but no just to, to be able to um to, to understand the guys that way right and and know where they came from and how they are as human beings and, and uh you know we're all just stuck in we're all just stuck in a place to do a thing and and whether you liked it or not um or whether you thought it was right or not then uh is still an experience. So yeah, I think there's that old saying, you know, is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just heard that, uh, not that long ago. I, I love that because it's, it's so true. We, we always like, it's so easy to make the decision on whether something's good or bad right, right. away. But then, you know, tomorrow comes, you're like, Oh, well, turns out that pres presented an opportunity, you know, like, exactly. I guess it wasn't yeah, 100%, good. man. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite little, uh, little, little, uh, little things I've been around on the internet lately. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Being on Guam, how'd you like that tour? I love Guam, man. Uh, it was, it was absolutely, uh, it was, it made me regret. And I know I say, I, I use that word like really lightly. It made me regret not going overseas way earlier in my career um, because yeah. it was, it was towards, it was my second to last tour. Um, and then I was going to the shore duty um, after that. So, excuse me. Um, yeah, when I got out to Guam, I was like, man, I should have uh, just stuck it overseas. And, and I saw where the guys who had spent most of the time, you know, in Guam or, or uh, Rota or Sicily um, did that. 
because I was like, man, I should have, uh, should have, could have, would have. But, um, yeah. you know, at the time, it, just the situation didn't arise. So I was like, it was what it was, you know. Yeah. But mom was awesome, man. Um, just to, uh, I also, uh, man, I, I'm only five six and I hurt, right? Because uh, all, all the big UD guys can carry a lot more weight than, than me. So, but uh, I still tried to keep up. So, but my body hurts now, like bad. So, um, Guam was great because it didn't hurt. Uh, yeah. If I could stay as close to the equator as possible, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I must have just missed you then because I, I came back from Guam in 2014. So. Yeah, we just we were, we were ships in the night, man. Yeah, you had just just left. I think yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, it, was, it was absolutely awesome. We uh um, uh, I was out there with uh, an insane, awesome group of guys. Um, and actually, I was uh, I was just at the retirement with some with most of those guys out there. So, um. Yeah, absolute blast. And then just a traveling experience. And um, my kids, uh, my daughter was born out there. My youngest daughter was born out in Guam. Um, my oldest daughter went to her uh, freshman uh, year. She flew out from her mom's place to go to her freshman year high school out in Guam. Um, and then, uh, and my son was, uh, you know, when we came back to Florida, my son was like, uh, it was like November in Florida and starting to get cold up in the panhandle. and. Uh, and he's like, Dad, we need to go back to Guam. He's like, my eyeballs are freezing. <laughs> and uh, and then they found fire ants, right? Because they didn't even wear shoes in Guam. They're little island kids, you know. So, um, but yeah, every every year we burn all the air miles and we go to Thailand. Uh, we go to uh, Phuket and uh, stay at the J Dub there. And uh, and every year they, you know, we'd ask the kids like, where do you want to go? Uh, where do you want to go next? They're like Thailand still. And so we just keep on going back to that. Uh, Thailand. The kids loved Asia, man. It was such an amazing place. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Being out there, that's, that's one of the huge benefits. Like it's, I, I didn't take advantage of it as much as I should have when I was there. Luckily I got to go for a bunch of work trips to different places, but right, uh, right. yeah, it, I didn't realize how good it was until I wasn't there. But, exactly. What, uh, what, what kind of platoons do you do out when you're out there? Uh, my first one, we were supposed to go to Iraq. We ended up being a CSG, so slight change. Um, second one was Philippines, and then third one was the CRIF team. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on, man. Yeah, no, that was it, it was that was my favorite tour out of uh, out of all my Navy tours. Um, that was uh, that was absolutely my favorite um, uh, place to be. So yeah, yeah it just the, the, that twenty seven hour flight back and forth to stay so sucks. So. Yeah, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> how was that actually, you know, it's rough for us. How was that for your kids? Um, so it, it actually, on the way out there, um, we, oh, I gave, uh, I gave Gino, Adele wasn't born yet. And then, uh, and my oldest, um, had not, um, she was still living with her mom. So it was just, uh, uh, my wife at the time and, uh, our youngest son or our, our son, um, we melatonin them. We, we, <laughs> we uh, yeah, we, we gave him uh, melatonin because we flew from Atlanta straight to Hawaii, and that was it was a straight shot. It was a long flight, and um, and so we uh, we waited till he started getting real fussy because he was he was only was he four? He was four. Like he was at the age where he was starting to uh, to he was a jerk. He was at the age where he was a jerk. And yeah. so um, we're like, here's your kid's melatonin, like, good night. And then he woke up, like, halfway through, like, somewhere over the Pacific, right, and just freaked out. And we we're like, oh, no. like, <laughs> And uh, and then he only freaked out for, like, a minute and went right back to sleep. And we're like, hallelujah. So we stayed in Hawaii for a week just to get his uh, clock, you know, kind of working a little better. And then when we jumped on the flight from Hawaii to, uh, to Guam, uh, by the time we landed in Guam, he was good to go. So that was, uh, yeah, coming from uh, coming from Florida over to uh, to Guam was uh, that that Hawaii trip. I, if we hadn't stayed there a week, like I couldn't have done this. The, the second leg of that was Hawaii to Guam, eight hours or nine hours or something like something crazy like that. Yeah. Oh no, no, we flew through, uh, we flew through uh, um, Japan too. So we didn't. Yeah, so it was Hawaii to Japan to uh, to Guam. So it was even longer. Yeah. That's uh, I'm gonna have to remember that because 
there's a chance I might have to need some of those tips uh, here in the future. Right. Well, and that's where I was like, cause I asked my mom or my dad, what, uh, you know, how'd you guys, uh, you know, my dad's like, just drug them. And I'm like, I'm not going to drug my kid, dad. And he goes, we drugged the hell out of your sister with Benadryl and she's a doctor. So and I'm like, well, he's got a point, right? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So. Um, he's like, yeah, that's the only way I can handle dealing with your sister was to give her better job. Like, well, I'm not doing that dad. So we got, we got kids melatonin for him. So it worked out. That's good. That's good. (laughs) Uh, so now that, now that you're out and I know you said you're not, uh, you're not involved in the like active duty community. That's kind of its own thing. But, um, I know you are pretty involved with, uh, with the veterans and those that are, that are out. Um, I know you've got a project too. Um, do you want to share anything about? Yeah. So man, I think this last year we've had four guys commit suicide, four Navy guys, uh, in the last year. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, one, one died of brain cancer. And, um, so, um, one of the, actually one of the guys, uh, who committed suicide was my LPO on uh, my first deployment. And, uh, and so his sister and I came together and uh, we decided that we want to start writing a, a book on veteran suicide. And uh, like, how do we stop? Uh, or how, I don't even know if we can, right? Because um, it's like I said earlier, EOD guys are the best at hiding their shit, right? So they can deploy or they best like, we are masters at hiding things. So um, no one's going to just come forward and say like, Hey, I feel like this because I hope they do. Right. But generally EOD guys don't do that shit. So, um, you get all these guys who are like, I did not see that coming. Right. Because they've been really good at hiding all this stuff. So, um, how do we, how do we all open ourselves up so that we understand each other? Right. And so, um, Carla and I, um, uh, Carla Morton uh, is Ronnie Morton's uh, sister. Uh, Carl and I sat down and we started talking about um, what if we wrote a book about anonymous near suicides or veterans who uh, wanted to commit it but didn't do it um, because of X, Y, and Z, right? And then we published that book, but we kept everyone's name completely anonymous. And so if everyone reads their bros and sister stories and they don't have a clue who it is, and then when you look at your skipper or you look at your brand new third class slick bomb and you don't know who wrote it, you look at your brothers and sisters in a different light. And then you start treating them maybe a little bit different rather than the, the two roads in EOD, right? It's like you're in the spec, spec ops community, right? It's like you're good to go or you're a piece of shit. That's it, right? Because <laughs> everyone asks about the guy like, hey, man, how's, how's whoever? They're like, yeah, that guy's a piece of shit. Right. Or like, oh, he's good to go. Or um, right down the middle, like, oh, he's a nice guy, but he's, uh, he sucks as an EOD guy. Right. Or whatever. Like those are the three paths. So, um, but the funny thing is like just being in EOD, you're already special being in the military, right? You're the 1% of the, uh, of the population in the military. Well, shit. And then you made it through a school with 80 plus, 80 plus percent attrition rate. Right. Like that's pretty fucking special to begin with. So you should be just be good to go. Right. And I know that everyone's, uh, there's going to be guys armchair quarterback and the hell out of this thing right now. Right. Like, yeah, well, we're going to use structures and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so, yeah, there's always guys who squeak by and all the rest of that, but whatever, man. Um, when you look at everyone who's in this community, we're all doing a job for, uh, that's a pretty special reason. Right. So, um, right off the bat, you can, you can probably dump that shit that freaking road. Right. And, yeah. uh, and just start treating some people with a little bit of respect. Cause you know, it's, I think, um, the, uh, the, the paradigm shift of, uh, of the mental health community, right? Like, um, I remember when we were out in Guam, they, uh, we had a, a mental health doc come in and she was amazing. And, um, she was, the first thing she said was like, like, who's the post deployers here? Who's gone, who's been to Iraq. Right. And all those old guys, we all raise our hands and she goes, I'm going to talk to each and every one of you guys. And so, um, uh, and she did, she hauled us in she goes, you guys are effed up in your head, man. Like you guys have seen stuff that no one else does and you just don't even, you don't even understand it. Right. And so let's fillet it open and talk about it. So, um, I think that this paradigm shift of, uh, the mental health thing needs to show results where people haven't 
or people have had help and it hasn't hindered their career. It has, you know what I mean? Like there needs to be a positive outcome of it rather than saying, um, oh yeah, you can get mental health uh, help, right? And then while you're doing that, you don't get to deploy and you don't get to, you know, or, or I don't know how it is now, but that back then I was like, if you're going undergoing medical stuff, then yeah, man, you can't deploy, right? You need to go get help because right off the bat, but then people are like, well, why isn't he deploying, right? <laughs> so, um, so I think if people just started accepting the fact that, <clears throat> that human beings in general, uh, need to work out their brains. We work out, we work our bodies out two hours each day, right? But when are you talking to your counselor, working out your brain or getting your feelings out or talking to your bro about something, right? Um, no one does that. And so, uh, or no one does it openly anyways, yeah. or no one. Yeah. And so just accepting uh, that, that every single one of us has something going on that neither one of, that no one else understands. Right. Like that helps yeah. you just appreciate that person just, uh, just as much anyway. So yeah, I don't know if I just talked around in circles on that one or not. No, no. Um, so actually there's a, there's a couple things that I wanted to, you know, kind of share with you. Well, <clears throat> we're on here. One, the first thing isn't, wasn't part of it, but, um, it, it is becoming more acceptable now. And like, I got an appointment on Tuesday. Um, I've been putting it off for what, probably two and a half, three months, you know, but I finally made one. Um, <laughs> but um, something that I think is, is interesting, especially now, right? The, the war has been kind of drawn down. There's not as much going on. It's kind of, it's, 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 it's hard. Like it's hard to find something going on for the Navy EOD community right now. Um, right. But I think that kind of, brings in some extra weird things. One, um, I think it kind of, for, for everybody who was going so hard for so long and just, you get used to what you're used to, right? Like, like we we're talking a bit ago, that force overload where it's train, don't even complete a workup, go, you know, like come back, do the same thing and just keep going and going and going. And now that's, you're still training, but now you're doing a full workup cycle and then you're going and you're doing whatever deployment you're on, but it's, it's not, the Iraq Afghanistan style. Right. And, uh, right, right. there's some, I think a lot of guys have some mental negatives with that. Right. Like I won't get into all that, but, um, then I think there's, there's the guys now that, uh, you know, just the, the workup to deployment, like the, the way we do that. I think one of the reasons why Navy EOD is, is, so good is because we do that with so much seriousness all the way through right like in terms of we know what we know what the end result of it is and we try to as much as possible from day one put that into our training but with that comes a lot of stress and i think uh guys who don't have i was kind of one of them don't have iraq afghanistan deployment um, think, you know, well, I don't, I don't have problems then, you know, I mean, I got problems, but I don't got problems. Right. And yeah, everyone's got a damn problem, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, like mine and, and hiding it, you know, one of my worst problems and I'll, I'll say it. Like most people don't see it cause I hide it really well, but it's anger. Like, holy cow. Do you, I, I like, normal day at, at work there's been a few few guys on on some teams that you know have seen a little bit but for the most part sadly mine i take home with me you know and like yeah just lose it at home because i'm i'm holding it together at work and like that ain't healthy <laughs> but but you're also letting it happen at work right so if it happens at work you can let it happen at home too because it's just happening yeah so yeah, man, it's it's tough. Um, there's another great book I read uh, called uh, The Four Agreements. I don't know if you've read that one or not, man. No. Uh, by Don Miguel Ruiz, and um, <clears throat> uh, that book really helps you kind of find you. You know, what I mean, yeah. like, like um, when you read that, you're like, I just like, it all clicks in your head. Like your whole growth pattern, like from a kid up to where you're at right now, right? You're like, 
well, I kind of get it now. And so yeah. you can, and so it's like, it's like that mass sports scenario where you go out of the end and you, and you work your you, you reverse engineer the whole thing, right? Like, you know where you're at now, now you can reverse engineer it because now you kind of know the steps, right? And, uh, and you go back to that one event or whatever it was that made you the way you are or why you are the way you are. And now you can change it if you want, because you have the whole path of where you were, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great little roadmap book. Um, and it's an easy read. It's, uh, I have to listen to everything on uh, Audible, like 1.6 speed. Otherwise, I uh, yeah. Otherwise, I lose I lose uh, attention real quick. So um, it's only about two and a half hours at 1.6 speed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> one one of the things that I actually wanted to to tell you is, um, you know, I, I found found you on on one of the Facebook groups, right, and then. Um, you started your Facebook group for the, uh, uh, for the project. And I think not too long ago, just a couple weeks ago, I said, I was never going to say this, but you know, I think, I think it's part of the, part of the point of, of doing this is to, to put things out there. Right. And if people want to say right. um, one thing or not, I don't care. Um, but I had a very different view on like suicide a year ago. Um, mm like a, a harsh critic kind of view. And as I started reading, you know, some of the, the things that people are putting on there and, and just kind of getting exposed to it, whereas I was kind of sheltering myself away from it before, um, it, it's, it's kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things and, and made, uh, got me like thinking about the kind of the questions that you're posing, like, do, like why, you know, cause it, right. Who knows who like you said, who knows if we can stop it or whatever, but man if you don't try, then you, you definitely can't so yeah, and I think I think what it is is like it's not trying to um, I think it's just really trying to open people's eyes to seeing that uh, you can be a human being right and yeah. so once you find figure out that you can just be a regular human being like life becomes a like I enjoy watching that sun come up every morning. I can't wait. I get up at 3.30 in the morning and uh, my daughter's sneaking behind here in the camera. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, she is. Uh, and so, man, I wake up at 3.30 in the morning, I get a cup of coffee and I sit here and I wait for that sun to come up every morning. I love it. That's that's my Zen time, you know? Um, and, uh, and, we're so dang lucky to be here and, and people just don't understand it, right? Like the odds, what are the odds of the earth being formed perfectly uh, from the sun in order to sustain life? And then you're the fastest sperm up to you, right? Through evolution or creation or both, or however you want to look at it, man, you just lucked out. You won the best lottery and you get to fly in a tube at like the speed of sound across the world right and like you can go anywhere you don't have to travel by wagon train or get hunted as a witch or whatever man like you just you lucked out right so um man when you don't get to watch that ball of fire come up or when you don't get to uh you know uh smell the uh, smell the, the the ocean um i think you're missing out you know um and so but that's me right and so it's like you said you can't yeah, I can't explain why someone else would do it. Um, maybe they're tired of living. Maybe they're just done, right? When you're done doing something, you just quit it, right? Maybe they're just done doing that, or maybe they're protecting themselves, or maybe we don't know, right? Like whatever they did, they did it. And so am I gonna judge my brother on that? No, man, I'm not. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure his kids are taken care of and love his family and all the rest of that. And uh, that's all I can do, right? Because right? you can't change what's in the past and only a fool trips on something behind them. So how do you just make the future better, right? I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I encourage, like, especially, uh, so I know this goes across all EOD, obviously. And, and right now, and we're not, we're not shutting the other uh, branches, right? But there's just there's, there's too much input uh, from everyone, and so we kept this project just to the Navy uh, EOD um, uh, part. And so if anyone's on that page um, right now on that Facebook page, it's an invite only. And if they know other EOD guys, Navy EOD guys who uh, who need to be on that page, I would uh, ask that everyone uh, Navy EOD gets on that page, and um, and and sends input. I've set up a uh, 
a email also. So you can post anonymously on that website or on the uh, on the Facebook page. You can post anonymously, um, and then I've also set up a uh, a email address if people want to just uh, shoot their stories separately. Um, and 100%, uh, the, the, the name just stays there in the email. It never goes anywhere else. So, um, yeah. but. Uh, you know, I, I want to be able to get everyone's story out there, including mine. And, uh, um, you know, my reasons why I didn't do it. Right. But everyone else has a damn reason. So I, I really, I want everyone to understand everyone else's feelings and kind of look at their brothers and sisters in a different light. Yeah. I think, I think it's really important in, in all aspects, whether it's, you know, suicide or anger or, or happiness, whatever, like all of aspects to just to have a place that, that you can go and you can, you can talk, you know, you can share, you can, uh, communicate, right? Like, I, I think that, I know for me, that helps a lot. And I'm, I'm not a, a great communicator just in general. Um, it's, it's weird that I tried to start this podcast thing, but, um, it, part of it is, you know, I think one of the ways, uh, like EOD techs tend to be successful is, we find things that are uncomfortable and then we just do them. And that's kind of what I'm doing here. But, you know, providing that, that place that you can go and, and share, you know, even if it's, you're totally fine, everything's good now, right? It may be your story on the, the past thing that happened, you know, to you, whether it was in your head or an external thing, it may be that that changes it for somebody else. And I think, you know, without a place is hundred percent, man. And, and, and it, it's, uh, I, I can only look at these stories like once a week, right? Like it's, it's, it's heavy. It's super heavy. And so, um, but there's a, uh, there's a commonality of the stories. It's all, there's always a commonality to it. Right. We're like, ah, oh, man, like it's, uh, you know, toxic marriage and overworked and, uh, drinking and, uh, anger and, um, mom or dad effed me up when I was a kid, right? Like they put me in a box I didn't belong in, but they just beat me down until I was in this box and I didn't want to be there, right? Like there's all these commonalities of it where everyone's just like, dang, man, like, um, like it seems almost easy to fix, right? But then when you feel like you, it's easy to fix, you sound crazy to everyone else. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you're like, well, just feel like this, right? And people are like, you're fucking crazy, man. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a... It's very, um, I was even this, this weekend, there's some shit that happened where I was like, like, I just wanted to come from within, man. Like I was down in Tampa and this guy was just being a jerk next to me in this truck. And I'm like, come on, dude, like not today, man. Like I won't be a peaceful warrior. Right. And, uh, and he just kept on like pushing and pushing the button with that truck, man. Like he kept on coming in my lane and just being a, just being an asshole for no reason. And, uh, and I, 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 I turned right and I just got away from him. And it, it, but in like in the past, man, my window would have been down. I probably would have thrown a golf ball through this window. Like something would have, something would have came out of my truck at him, right? Like after this dude, like I would have been, I was so mad. But uh, yeah, I just I had to stop that reactive child from showing up again. You know, and, I, and, and the ears weren't just red; they were white hot, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but yeah, it was, um, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's constant work on yourself. You have to constantly do it. And it's the thing is like communication, right? You're not good at it. Well, how do you get good at it? You can practice, man. So how do you do anything else? How do you get good at shooting? How do you get good at demo? How do you get a good dive? And you gotta just fucking do it. So, um, yeah, communication and working on yourself, you just have to choose to do it. And then not only just like read the books, right. But like apply it. Because they just read it and regurgitate it, and then, um, and then you're just YouTube, right? And so, um, if you don't apply it in your life and uh, give it a shot um, or make it a habit, right? Um, then, then uh, you're just wasting your time. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's like uh, studying for a, a master board or a senior board or whatever, and you read it, and then you don't, you just put that to the side and continue on your life. I mean. You may, you may gain a little bit, but you got to find those places to implement all those, those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it is, I think we all said that the smartest case is a senior tech, right? Brand new senior tech. That, that guy knows everything. Right. But then by the time you're a master tech, you're like, fuck, I don't know any of that senior tech shit. Cause I never used it. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so true. Every time I sit a uh, a senior board as a chair or whatever, like, man, you know, it, it's actually better because I'm doing it a lot more now. So I'm like, you know, there's a lot less questions that I don't remember now. But right. yeah, the, the first one you sit after a while, you're like, all right, I, I can't yeah, let everybody or, or know. <laughs> Yeah, or, or like the, the guy who's like, who you just let sit in on the board, right? You're like, give me all your fucking questions, man. Let me look at these. And then you're like, go burn a copy of these for me. Or you, you go burn a copy of them, right? So you can have like more senior questions because you're like, fuck, I don't remember anything. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny as heck. So, um, no, man, uh, I I think, I really hope this book is, um, is going to go uh, well. Um, uh, Joe Schaefer, uh, I, I need to throw a, uh, a bone out to him. Um, he helped me so much. Um, I, I sat down uh, with, with with both of them and um, and went over just the steps they went through. And um, uh, when they wrote their book and, and the requirements they had to do and all the rest of that. So um, he gave me such a, a huge leg up in... Um, in, in that. And if anyone hasn't read on the sun yet, uh, great, great, amazing book. Um, they did a, a brilliant job on it. Uh, thank you guys so much for not only writing that, but, uh, thanks to everyone who, who did the input for that thing. And also, uh, yeah, to the shapers for helping me, uh, for, for helping me out with this, uh, this next project coming up. So, um, I think what we'd like to do is uh, not only get the active duty guys, um, or retired guys, uh, uh in the first book, but, uh, do a follow-up book for um, for the White Star families, um, so that people can understand how the families felt like that. Uh, three brothers, uh, uh, you know, sisters, mothers, and fathers, and then um, and then we're going to uh, we're going to be putting all proceeds uh, uh, for the uh, uh, wounded, uh, uh, sorry, for UD Warrior Foundation, and then also for um, uh, NSAW Foundation. Yeah. yeah. So we'll just split. That. You we'll split the first group. started uh, first started thinking about the the book and and trying to figure out how you're gonna you know, get the, get the information, the stories and all that. Did you, how much exposure to like putting something like this together? Did you have, or was it like coming in from ground zero? Yeah, it was a master board. I had no fucking, uh, I had no idea what to do. Right. So it was just, uh, um, it was just, that's kind of how I looked at it. It was just another uh, thing. So, um, where do I want it to be and how do I reverse engineer it? And, uh, and so I knew that we wanted to focus on, and, and Carla and I sat, uh, we talked for hours on this one. Uh, we, we spent probably days of talking um, uh, so far on it. Um, uh, just like the, the, the best way to attack it. And then um, uh, another another guy who's been huge, uh, helping me out too, has been Todd Shackley. Uh, thanks Todd, I appreciate you. Um, he's been amazing in, 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 uh, in helping me propel this. Uh, not only am I a single dad, I'm a realtor, and I run it to the CBD company, and, uh, and then I've got a book going on. So, um, so work back to work overload, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, I think that um, we can hopefully just make a change in, in how people view each other. I don't know if it's going to stop anything. Like guys make their own decisions, right? So yeah. yeah. But if you can view people in a different way, maybe you're going to treat people a different way. Maybe this is the way that person got treated um, is going to make a uh, difference in their life too. So, uh, I think it's awesome. I think, you know, like, like you said, no matter what, I think only good can come from it. You know, what what that good is exactly, we'll see. The, the important part is like doing that work that you're doing. Um, you know, if you need any, anything for me um yeah no this is this is it man this is this is what i definitely need you know i need to put out there i need uh i need the, yeah. the navy ed guys to uh the guys who are already on the page um to to put every other uh, navy ed buddy they've got on that page and i need guys to start putting uh, input because we're all gonna you know we had to do this team back in the day and so we got we got to do it again you know like uh yeah. um i think if if everyone comes together we can at least help one person man and that's worth it you know yeah absolutely so, absolutely yeah <clears throat> oh, man. um yeah uh you got anything else you want to uh 
No, man. So I don't know if the video goes up when you guys post this or not, but I have to explain the, uh, the Christmas tree. Um, is uh, I had uh, I had six glasses of wine at uh, this realtor function. Um, it was a Christmas tree auction, and uh, and I bought that Christmas tree at way over the price of what the Christmas tree is worth. So uh, and I know six glasses of wine sounds way better than two bottles, right? So um, so after two bottles of wine, that Christmas tree came home with me, and it is now not only my Christmas tree, uh, it is my Easter tree and my Memorial Day tree and Fourth of July tree, and a constant reminder not to drink at the next Christmas tree auction. I was <laughs> I was wondering, you know, it's it's been a, it's been a few months since Christmas. That's yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, well, I've got it up early for Fourth of July. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. it. It is Fourth of July themed. That's good. So yeah, if you're if you're listening to this uh, and yeah. not watching, it is a Fourth of July themed Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, it's a 100% patriotic uh, red, white, and blue Christmas tree. And actually, there's red, white, and blue lights on it. So at night, it looks real nice, Clark. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So no, man, uh, Jaron, I appreciate it, uh, dude. Um, it, it's great. Uh, finally meeting you. I know, uh, I know we missed each other out in Guam. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to be able to come on and, uh, and talk about the project and talk about, uh, um, you know, just, uh, looking out for our bros and our sisters. Right. Um, yeah, because realistically, man, when you get out of that when you get out of the Navy, um, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite guys, one of my, my dearest friends in the world used to say, um, remember that big part of the Navy threw for, for you when you joined and you said no. And he says, they don't give a fuck when you get out either. So true story, man. Um, don't worry about it after you get out after you, uh, like it, it doesn't matter anymore, man. Just keep moving on. Only a full trips on something behind them. Right. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah, right on, Jaron. I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you very much. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. All right. Thank you for listening to the Echo Oscar Delta podcast, where we talk to Navy EOD techs and hear the stories that they want to share.